0: That the scripture uh, lays out for us some requirements and uh, some things, some behavior, some actions that uh, we certainly should follow. And I hope it will be a help uh, to you tonight. I hope we don't follow Absalom's uh, example as many folks have done uh, in the past. But dealing with the subject of anger and hatred and unforgiveness. That is one thing that uh, if you were to do a survey, I'd say this while you're turning to 2 Samuel 13. I thought about this A lot of you, you if you could go back and you could you could I guess trace back the church history not just fate but I'm saying other churches around when there's some kind of dissension or some kind of a split most time it can be traced back some kind of anger now sometimes doctrine I get that but sometimes little petty stuff where anger and hatred and unforgiveness comes in and you can trace it back to that for the most part. That's what caused it, Brother Danny, is either anger, which led to hatred, which, which led to unforgiveness, and uh, folks couldn't even worship together. And boy, you're talking about something that'll hinder a service is when two individuals in a church, it don't, matter you, it don't matter where it's at, Mount Sinai, Friendship, Faith, Mount Bethel, Turner's Creek, Northwood, you take two or three in there that's at odds one of them there's some anger, hatred, even unforgiveness, man, just those two could quench a service. Just that one could quench a service and keep God from doing what he wanted to do. I think I mentioned on Wednesday night, I may hit it again here in just a few minutes, but if you ever want to get released, just just have that heavy burden, because several even mentioned Wednesday night uh, after the service about what a great lift that is when you can get to that point of forgiveness and getting rid of anger and getting rid of hatred, because I found out a long time ago that he who angers you controls you. And most of the time, the folks that anger you, they, they ain't losing any sleep over it. Hey, Amen. You're really just hurting yourself. Remember those? The best way I can describe this uh, years ago, Brother Brandon. I bet Brother Brandon don't even remember this. I remember the Muppets. I guess it was, or the Puppets. It's one of them things It was on TV. Them old weird, spooky-looking things On that'd come on. And and every once in a while, you could see the light glistening off of them strings. Them things was in there talking. Somebody was moving around. But... They were at the mercy of somebody else. And basically somebody that is, that is angry at somebody, they're basically controlling you. And uh, he who angers you controls you. Remember that. You're just, uh, you're just uh, one of those strings, and, and, and they're playing you. So listen, I say all that to say this. If you've got any kind of grudge, any kind of hatred, any kind of anger towards somebody or unforgiveness, it's in your best interest to bury that stuff. It is because... A lot of folks try to kid there and say, well, maybe it'll get better. No, you're just going to have to deal with it, and you're going to have to get over it, because if not, there's a lot of factors involved with that, and it is far-reaching, as all sin is. But we're going to read about Absalom tonight. I'm not going to read the whole, the whole passage, but just keep in mind, when you go to 2 uh, Samuel chapter number 13, the context of this, Amnon, according to 2 Samuel chapter number 3 and about verse number 2, Amnon was the firstborn of David, and he was born while David was ruling there from Hebron. Then there was a second son, and the third son was Absalom. Now, Amnon stood in the way of Absalom becoming king or the heir apparent. Amnon was heir to the throne. But we understand by 2 Samuel 13 that Absalom and Tamar were full of blood brothers and sisters. Their dad was King David. Their mother was a lady by the name of Makah which was the daughter of Talmai, the king of Gesher. That's where Absalom ended up fle- fleeting to uh, after uh, the death of Amnon. But we understand that uh, Absalom loved Tamar, his full sister, and Amnon was their half-brother. Now, they shared the same father with David, but Amnon had a different mother than Tamar and Absalom. But what happened in 2 Samuel 13 was was Amnon fell a lusting after his half-sister, which is a violation of the Word of God. They are not to uncover their nakedness. Now I'll be sensitive tonight. I know we've got tender ears. But the bottom line is this. Amnon eventually devised a plan he followed some evil counsel, and boy. When you got a decision to make, regardless what it is, don't follow evil counsel. You better follow righteous counsel. You better follow the Word of God. You better follow the Spirit of God, and get get with somebody that's got some knowledge and some, uh, basically, some instruction in that field. But he got some bad advice. He followed. He violated Tamar, and we pick up reading here in the text. Remember, Absalom and Tamar were full-blood brothers and sisters. Amnon was a half-brother. Well, what happened, preacher? Well, I think one of the reasons that later on that Absalom rebelled and resented King David was because David found out about this situation, that Amnon, the heir to the throne, the firstborn, had violated his own daughter. And the Bible said he was displeased. Brother Travis, I find no place where he ever disciplined his son. And I believe that come back to bite him in Absalom's day because Absalom, I believe, resented his father David because David evidently didn't lift a finger to discipline his son. And boy, there's an important message right there again. Here we are again, but it's important to discipline children verbally and even physically. Oh yeah, again, I say that many, many times. That's where the the board of correction meets the seed of knowledge. Again, a lot of folks say, well, I, I just don't believe in, in, in disciplining my children. Listen, you don't have to tell us, we know. Amen. I mean, it's what do you say. Preacher, that's pretty cool. That's pretty old. No, no, no. I mean, discipline is something that's needed and something that is necessary. And the Bible instructs that. oh, I love them too much to discipline. The reason you discipline is to prove that you do love them. Hey, God disciplines us when we step out of line. And if you step out of line and you sin, God don't ever deal with you. You better read the book of Hebrews. The Bible said you're a bastard and not a son. In other words, you're an illegitimate child. When you do something wrong, God's going to convict our heart. He's going to chasten us and we're to do the same thing. But evidently, David didn't do a thing. And it come back. We've been looking at this uh, this, basically this outline, his adolescent years, he was watching and he was warring and he was waiting. Then we look at his adult years, we know that he was running and ruling and requesting, robbing and even reviving, but I think he done some regretting because of that scene with Bathsheba. Well, this has just happened. Amnon has violated his half-sister. Look at verse 21, 2 Samuel 13. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. But again, you won't find anywhere where he'd done anything to Amnon. Verse 22, And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom, watch this, hated Amnon, because he had forced his sister Tamar. It came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears in Belhazor, which is beside Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons, and Absalom came to the king and said, Behold now, thy servant hath sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. And the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all now go, lest we be chargeable unto thee. And he pressed to him, howbeit he would not go. But blessed him. Then said Absalom, If not, I pray thee, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said unto him, Why should he go with thee? So keep in mind, two full years have passed according to the word of God. That's what the Bible said there in verse uh, number 23. Just as soon as Amnon had violated his sister Tamar, the scripture said that Amnon, verse 22, spoke neither good nor bad. He didn't even say a word. But the Bible said that he hated Amnon. And he disguised that. He hid that for two years waiting for the perfect opportunity. And David didn't get it. Absalom invites David to come to the place where he's got these these fields with the sheep in Belhazor. And David refused to go. He blessed him. But then Absalom said, well, hey, let Amnon go. Now, basically what he's saying there about being chargeable unto him, the reason David said, hey, it'll be char- it would have cost a lot to bring David's escort to protect him. It's already going to cost enough to bring Amnon. He would basically have security guards, if you will. He was the heir to the throne. And no doubt there would, they would be a, a great gathering and a meeting. All the king's sons were coming to town to ba- Hazor. It's going to be a big deal. And David said, why do you want Amnon and Verse number 27, but Absalom pressed him that he let Amnon and all the king's son go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants saying, "What's this now, Mark ye now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, when I say unto you, Smite Amnon, then kill him. Fear not, have not I commanded you, be courageous and be valiant. And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded and all the king's sons arose and every man get him up upon his mule and fled now let's pray, Father we sure do love you tonight thank you again for the opportunity to break forth the bread of life, I pray that you'd help this feeble preacher now to relay the truth of your word God give us remembrance of these things, God it's a subject where I've dealt with, we've probably all dealt with, we will deal with in the days to come, Father would you help us I pray for forgiveness for those that, that may be dealing with that tonight above all if there's one here lost or one listening never been saved, never been born again, God a tonight be the night of salvation but God I pray that you'd shed that grace and mercy upon us now I pray that Jesus would be increased and lifted up help me to decrease now we'll give you thanks give you praise for what you do for us these things in Jesus name all God's people said amen well we read this text here and we found in verse number 22 that Absalom hated Amnon. It's worth hitting just to give a little bit of refresher. Some of you wouldn't hear on Wednesday night. But I, I looked at the parallels of basically David and Absalom. There's, there's at least four parallels that you can find as you go back. I'm not going to read all the scripture. But do know when David committed that sin with uh, Bathsheba. And he's trying to plot and have Uriah killed. David spoke neither good nor bad unto Uriah. And that same thing was repeated by Absalom here in verse number 22 after he had violated his sister The Bible said And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon Neither good nor bad I guess we could say this And we've got little ones following in our steps We've got little ones that are listening to our conversations That are watching our every move How we handle things How we walk And, and so on and so forth and, and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree And Absalom is found doing basically the same thing That David had did in Uriah's case. So he spoke neither good nor bad. Both of them done that. But think about David, he arranged Uriah's death. Literally putting the letter into Uriah's hand, and he carried his death sentence to the battlefield. Well, what happened with Absalom here? He done the same thing. He had told here his servants to kill Amnon. So we understand those two similarities. And we know this. David did not kill Uriah directly but indirectly you better believe that he did he told Joad to put him at the forefront of the battle and that's exactly what happened and the Ammonites is the one that ended up killing Uriah it could could be traced all the way back to David and his sin well Absalom done the same thing here plotting there in uh, Belhazor he tells his servants to go in and we see they're the ones that fall upon on, and number. On. Boy, that fourth similarity is good too. Think about this David tried intoxicating drink on your ride. You can go back to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse number 12 and 13 to get him a little tipsy where he ain't thinking right. And that's what alcohol do to you by the way. You're susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. So you might as well leave that garbage alone. Leave that poison alone. Forget this social glass of wine and social drink. It's sin in the eyes of God. Proverbs 20 verse 1 still said wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever's deceived Thereby is not wise We was coming down Flint Hill Road A while ago Christy was talking about The vineyards on the side of the road she said look like it's dead And I thought to myself well praise the Lord There won't be no more pausing for somebody to drink Amen You say well they're my friends it don't matter the Bible still said woe And the man that puts that bottle to his neighbor's mouth yeah, man, we're going to keep preaching on alcohol till the day that we die. If the Lord will continue because, man, it's caused more harm. It's caused more divisions. It's broke up more homes and marriages and children that, man, you wouldn't even believe. And listen, I didn't hear some of you have been saved out of that mess. Some of you grew up in that stuff. I never had to come home to a drunk daddy. I never had to come home to anybody doing social drink or whatever. All I know is what God said. God said it was sin and leaving. it why did David use alcohol? Why did Absalom use alcohol? Because it alters the mind. And that's exactly what both of them did. Now keep in mind, Amnon was first firstborn heir to the throne. Absalom was a full-blooded sibling Tamar, uh, of Tamar. And Amnon was a half-brother of both. Now Amnon, again, he had two strikes against him when he's facing Absalom. Absalom hates him. But in order for Absalom to get the throne... Amnon's got to be out of the way. So he's got those two things against him. He violated Absalom's sister, so he hates him. And he stands in the way of Absalom being on the throne. So it's getting ready to unfold. But keep in mind, Absalom waited his time. When Amnon violated Tamar, he spoke neither good nor bad. You read your Bible. That's what it said in verse number 22. Then verse 23, after two full years, he had time to... Let that anger and that hatred simmer in that pot. Slow burning anger inside of him for two years. Boy, revenge was on his heart and was on his mind. What he was waiting for, Brother Harold, was that little that little foot to get in the door of opportunity to deal with Amnon for what he would done. He could kill two birds with one stone. He could he could quench that that anger and that hatred that he had in his heart. And also he would remove that that threat of being on the throne because Amnon would be removed and Absalom would be next in line. You go back to 2 Samuel chapter number 3. There was a son that was born in second. We never hear anything else about him. Evidently he must have been dead because Absalom was the next in line after Amnon was killed. But it, it come through this hatred. And I mentioned two things on Wednesday night. Hatred unchecked can give birth To murder. You better listen now. Hatred unchecked can give birth to murder. Then there's a second principle we give. Revenge never solves anything. Never. Revenge never solves anything. You read on, people continue to get hurt. Instead of it being settled and done and oh with, it's just like a snowball rolling down the hill. And then the same thing uh, probably happened to those that, that had, you know, Amnon's friends probably had a hatred and despising toward Absalom. It just continues to go. Now, the world's philosophy is this. Don't get mad, get even. You ever heard that before? Don't get mad, just get even. In other words, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Somebody hits you an eye, by golly, I'm going to punch you an eye. Somebody knocks my tooth out, I'm going to knock that. That's our mentality. That's the world's philosophy. What is our philosophy? Well, here's the thing. You and I are different. We're different. We're to be different. Can we get mad? Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Does God expect greater things of His children? You better believe He does. And listen, forgiveness and, and getting over thing, over things... Ought to be as natural. Many of you remember this when we preached on church etiquette along that line. But to have forgiveness of others to a child of God ought to be as natural as that bird flying through the air. That bird don't have to be really tall. They'll eventually just get kicked out of the nest and they'll start flying. Why? Because it's in their DNA. It's in their characteristics, it's in their trait. Well, you and I, as children of God, as natural as that bird is flying through the air, we ought to be able to overcome hatred and anger and unforgiveness. Why? Because thank God we're saved. There is a difference. We sang the song a while ago, the choir did, thank God it settled, I'm saved. We say, woo, hallelujah to God. Well just remember, 2 Corinthians 5 17 said, Therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things. Become new now. Listen, we're all a work in progress. I mean, there's all of us got some rough edges that ain't got smoothed out yet, but one of these days they will be. Thank God, when we when the Lord presents us to Himself in Ephesians chapter 5, scripture said we won't have any spot, any wrinkle, or any such thing, but we'll be holy uh, unto the Lord. Well, listen, we ain't got to that point yet, but we're a work in progress. But what does God expect? In the realm of anger and hatred, does God want us to get rid of? Somebody say, "Well, man, Absalom, he was justified for killing Amnon because of what he did unto her sister." That's the that's our philosophy. Yeah, I'm not gonna get mad. I'm just gonna get even. I'll be justified. Well, this is what God said when it comes to hatred and anger. We'll just hit these real real quick. We understand this. The we see the product. Of hatred. You know where that comes from? You don't have to speculate. Where it comes from, the Bible tells us. In Galatians chapter 5, verse number 17, and by the way, this is, uh, it won't be uh, another chandelier. Uh, swinging services where I say, whoo, glory to God, what a message. Boy, that really pumped me up, but it's exactly what I need. It's exactly what you need, because if you ain't dealt with it in the past, and you ain't dealing with it now, you live long enough, honey, you gonna deal what we're dealing with tonight more times than one. There's gonna be times you're gonna get mad. There's gonna be times you're gonna have to guard against hatred. There's gonna be times when you're gonna have to forgive people that don't deserve to be forgiven, but I got news for you. I didn't deserve to be forgiven. You didn't deserve to be forgiven, but based on what Christ did for us, it's the least that we can do as children of God because our life's been changed our hearts been changed our soul is saved we're going to a city whose builder and maker is God man you and I need to learn to forgive others but where does hatred come from where does anger come from? where does unforgiveness come from? I'll tell you where it comes from it comes from this old wicked flesh amen Galatians 5 verse 17 for the flesh Well, actually, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest. That word manifest literally means it's made known. It's it's made known. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Those four things have to deal with sexual sins. Then in verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, Seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Where does hatred come from? Where does strife come from? It comes from a work of the flesh. Now, a little bit later on, you're going to see the fruit singular, not fruits plural, but fruit, F R U I T, the fruit of the Spirit. But the works of the flesh, where does all that stuff come from? It comes from that flesh. And the Bible makes it pretty clear there in verse 21. And Again, I hit this the other night. It's worth hitting again because a lot of folks got confused on this. He said there, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, wait a minute. Verse 19 talks about adultery. You mean there ain't going to be any adulterers in heaven? Well, David's there. David's iron. What about fornication? That fornication, that gives us the idea. That is the Greek word pornea, which we get our English word pornography from. There's folks, and it talks about drunkenness over there. Hey, Noah was a drunkard. We understand that. Peter was a hothead. He cut a guy's ear off. He hadn't mastered that concept. Even the Apostle Paul, probably the greatest Christian to ever live, Romans 6, Romans chapter number 7, especially chapter number 7. He talks about man that which I ought to be doing I find myself not doing, and that thing that I should be doing I find myself not doing. That might be the same thing I just said, but anyhow, he he uses those two things: that that I should be doing I don't do, and that that I shouldn't be doing. That's what I find myself doing. Does that make sense? That's basically a nutshell what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Why? Because we deal with the works of the flesh. But listen friend, there's going to be folks that were at one time, were drunkards that got marvelously saved by the grace of God. They're going to be in heaven. There's fornicators. Oh yeah. Those that dealt with strife and seditions and heresies and drunkenness, all that. They were washed by the blood of Jesus and they're going to be in heaven. What's he talking about there? Those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I'll tell you what that means. Those that been Continue on and on with that lifestyle. No change. It just proves that they've never been born again. Amen. It proves the point that they've never genuinely been saved. Why? Because they're always causing strife. They always got hatred in their heart. They always. Have adultery and fornication, unclean, idolatry, witchcraft. Boy, that witchcraft comes from the Greek word, uh, pharma, where we get our English word pharmacist from. Think about the drug abuse. All the stuff that goes on. Never being able to master witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, seditions, endings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. He said, man... The crowd that continually does that habitually, habitually over and over and over again, that is a proof that they've never been born again. Amen. Now, that's pretty strong, pretty strong wording, and it is. But you know, there's a lot of folks saying, I guess it makes them feel better. They say, well, you know, my son, my daughter, my grandson, or even my, my worker, they, they say they're saved, but they've just been backslid for the last 15 years. Now, you can backslide. Oh, yeah. Backslide is an exclusive Old Testament word to backslide against God. You can get out of the will of God. David, he sinned and for a year he covered it up. But boy, God came to where he was and dealt with his heart. And David got right with God. I think a lot of times, instead of praying for folks to get back on the right track, we ought to pray for them to get saved. Amen. Because I'm telling you now, the Lord Jesus, He's the only one that can help you in this department we're talking about tonight. The psychologist ain't going to help you. Educational system ain't going to help you. Mm-mm. The law judicial system ain't going to help you. It's going to take The Lord in a situation to help you overcome this situation. Well, where does it come from, preacher? It's a work of the flesh, not of the work of the Spirit. It's never justified uh, to show that hatred. Now listen, the Bible tells us over there in the book of Ephesians to be angry and sin not. There is an, a righteous anger, but you've got to be careful that you don't cross the line with that. Because you read on in that context, it said, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place... Under the devil What's that mean to the child of God You better not go to bed mad You better not go to bed with anger Or hatred or unforgiveness on your heart Why is it Because that's just going to fester And get worse and worse and worse You ought to get that thing settled Before the sun goes down If you don't You pull up a chair right beside you And you and the devil Have a good uh, pity party together Amen That's what happens And we've stayed on this first point Way longer than I was intended but I'm telling you, it's something we got to deal with. The problem, where does it come from? It comes as a work of the flesh, but we also look at the problem of some folks say, man, I'm just gonna get even. I'm just gonna get even. They've done something to me, they hurt me, and I'm gonna hurt them. Listen, what we ought to do as a child of God is turn that thing over to the Lord. Now it ain't easy to do. Because we want to take matters into our own heart. If they hurt me, I want to I hurt them. I, I'm not going to forgive them. i got anger. i got bitterness. I've got rage. I've got malice in my heart. I'm not going to forgive. That's what Absalom did for two full years. He, he had that slow burn. And boy, when it come time, he got that foot in the door up there in Belhazor. Because that hatred had gave birth to murder in his heart, it came to pass. Well, listen to what God said in relation to this in Revelation or Romans 12, verse 17. He should recompense to no man evil for evil. In other words, somebody hits you don't hit them an eye. He said, don't recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, let's just be honest tonight. There's some folks it's easier to live peaceably with than others. Amen. Everybody's got different temperaments. And they do. So I, the Lord said, hey, as much as, if it be possible, as much life in you, live peaceably above all men. But verse 19 said, dearly, beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. See, when we go and we act in a way with anger and hatred, we leave God out of the equation. God, I, don't, I, I got this. I'll handle this. And most of time we handle it, we make, well, ain't no, probably all the time. We leave God out. We make a mess out of things. Amen. What's the, what's the product of hatred? It comes as a work of the flesh. The promise was this. God said, I will repay, saith the Lord. We all leave it unto him. Well, we looked at the process. This is where we finished up the other night in Matthew chapter 5. I didn't get finished with this text. And I want to read it again. What is the process of this hatred, this anger? What does God require of us? Well, he laid out some things here on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 43. He said, You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Jesus said, You've heard that it's been said, Love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But verse 44, But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's the process of the child of God. Well, I don't like that process, preacher. you just going to have to get over it. That's the process for me. That's the process for you. It's not a suggestion, you know, try this. It was a command that the Lord told to us. And I challenged everybody, including myself, I try to do this often somebody that has hurt you or whatever, put them on a the prayer list. I'm talking about a not an EMI prayer. Amen. Don't do that. But pray for that individual. And if you'll do that for seven days and, you, and you're honest about that and you pray with sincere desire for that individual, it'll change your way of thinking about that person. Guaranteed, 100% if you'll do it. Most time, folks say, well, I ain't praying for them. They hurt me. Well, you better read your Bible and notice what Jesus told us. Amen. Hey, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Revival could break out after, after this message. It could. It could break out during or after any message. But I tell you what, revival is what God does in His people the psalmist said in psalm 85 verse 6 will thou not revive us skin that thy people may rejoice in thee I tell you this that one or that two or that three or that four that maybe they've got anger they got hatred they got dissension they got something in their heart some ought to get somebody out. oh if they'd get that settled on an old fashioned altar man again you might hear the choir singing of the sweetest you've ever heard them sing you might hear the preacher preaching a message that man you always thought was bad you might hear it in a different light when you get right with God and you cut loose of that stuff that's been killing you that sucked you down like an old spiritual parasite sucking the spiritual life and vigor and blood out of you when you bury that thing and you give it to God and say God I can't take this anymore I don't want to go to bed one more time uh, with this on my mind I don't want to wake up in the morning one more time with this on my mind with this person Lord I'm laying it at your feet I'm going to lay it down I ain't going to pick it up and take it back to my seat i'm going to lay it down and i'm going to leave it if you'll do that y'all will change your world amen he'll change your world and see it's a decision just like a person coming to christ man i want to be saved well you got anger you got something going on you say man ain't no way it's ever going to get better well that attitude it never will be listen you can be part of the problem you can be part of the solution your, your way of handling it's not working. Bring it to God. Look at the Old Testament sacrifices. Listen, we weigh off the notes now. You go back into the Old Testament with those sacrificial systems. When they killed that bullet, Brother Howard, they laid that thing on the altar. They laid it down and they left it. What we do a lot of times, we'll come and say, God, I'm dealing with this. All right, God, you convicted my heart. I'm dealing with anger. I'm dealing with bitterness. I'm dealing with some unforgiveness in my heart, Lord. And, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm laying it at the altar. I'm laying it here. And then we get up and we carry it right back to the seat with us. Yeah, man, I know what I'm talking about. I've been there and done it. I made out of the same stuff you are. But one of the most liberating times in your life is when there's nothing between you and the Savior. The process is this. He didn't say pray for them that, that pat you on the back. He didn't say pray for them that love you. He said there in verse number 44, but I saying you love your enemies. Love them, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despisefully use you and persecute you. Again, I challenge you again, if there's somebody that has hurt you in the past, you may have just a little bit of anger, maybe a little bit of hatred, maybe some unforgiveness there, put them on the prayer list and be fervent about it. Give me a week. Give me. I'm talking about true, honest, a week, and God will change your perspective of that individual. And in so doing, God will help you. Amen. He sure will. We see the product is the work of the flesh. The promise, the Lord, said, I don't take matters into your hands. The process was this. Well, Why should I do that? Well, look at verse 45 of Matthew 5. That you, why should we do that? Why should we pray and love our enemies and bless them and curse us, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you? He tells, verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And I understand we live in a world. We live in a religious world. We live in a church, churchy world, where the world has become churchy or religious, and the church has become worldly. And sometimes you can't tell the difference. Folks that say they're saved, they live like the devil all week. Monday, Tuesday, they're out there cussing. They're they're drinking. They're they're doing all these dirty jokes of this, that, and the other. It don't bother them all. And then they come in on Sunday. Oh, how I love Jesus. It grieves the Spirit of God. Amen. <laughs> We're to be different. Well, it's quiet in here tonight. But it's where we live, ain't it? Anger, hatred, unforgiveness. We see the promise, see the process. But notice our pattern. We didn't even hit on this the other night. But I don't want you to get this. What is our pattern or our, our blueprint, our guide to go by? Well, listen, think about the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, we could go back to Isaiah 53 where he was that suffering servant and provided that sacrifice for you and I. But in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19, it said, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye you shall take it patiently? Now, what he's talking about there is this. Let's say you get in trouble and buffed. it. That's to be punched. I mean, basically, literally, needs to be punched in the mouth. All right, you've done something wrong, and, and you're punished for it. He goes on to say, "Ye shall take it patiently, but, but if, so there's a transition. But if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Now, you can go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. My mind sort of went blank right there. It's in our Second Timothy chapter number 3. I'm pretty sure. yay, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All right, you're going to live for God. People may ridicule you. Things may happen. You may have to suffer some persecution along the way. Well, if you take that. Patiently, the Bible said, this is acceptable with God. You don't render evil for evil because somebody has done something to you. Well, what is our pattern? What is our blueprint? What is the thing we should follow? Well, notice what it said in verse 21 of that same text right after it. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Verse 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. Now that revile, he verbally, he was abused. He didn't revive. he never opened his mouth other than the seven cries from the cross. Man, the first thing to come out of his mouth, after he had been basically beaten with a cat of nine-tails, he had they put that crown of thorns upon his head. They put a blindfold, smote him upon the head, and, and told him to prophesy who it was that smote him on the head. They ridiculed him. They put on there and mocked the purple robe, and they mocked him. They spit on him. They drove those nails into his hands and into his feet and they put that cross in place it wasn't the fifth word it wasn't the second word the very first cry from the cross brother Brandon as he looked down on that crowd that just had done all that to him he said father forgive them for they know not what they do that's our pattern (laughs) somebody's going to say well now I ain't Jesus that's right but understand if you're saved by the grace of God you got God the Holy Ghost living inside of you Yeah, man, he'll teach us all things according to John 16. Verse number 13, we understand that. The Bible goes on to say in verse 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Now you can go to John 19 and verse 11 and verse number 16. Jesus was committed or handed off to Pilate. Then Pilate handed and committed Jesus to the Jews. And Jesus was continually committed unto the Father. And we see that in verse 23. But verse 24, 1 Peter 2 said, Who is on self, bear our sins in his own body on a tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. He's our pattern. He was verbally abused, physically abused. Yet no guile was in his mouth. And we're to be that pattern. That's a pattern that we should have. We're not to harbor hatred. We're not to harbor anger. Somebody's going to say, wait a minute, preacher, you just don't know what they did. No, and I don't. And again, we do not condone sin, by the way. But we only hurt ourselves when we can't get to the place of forgiveness. Amen. If you're ever going to do anything for God, if you're ever going to be profitable for Him, there's some things that you're going to have to get over Amen. you going to have to, that don't mean you ain't ever going to get mad. Don't mean you ain't never going to have some hatred or some thoughts go through your mind, but you better keep a short record of that if you ever want to do anything for God. Amen. Because that'll break that fellowship between you and the Father. You say, well, you know, I love God, but boy, I sure do hate my brother. Why don't you notice the proof? And I'm done right here. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 9. The Bible said this 1 John 2 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. Now how can you interpret that any other way? A person says, "Hey, I'm in the light, I'm saved." But you hate your brother, God said, "You're a liar, you're still in darkness, you've never been born again." That's Bible. You say that's pretty tough. That's just proof. Verse number 10. First John 2 said, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Now, yeah, you can get mad, and you can get angry, and you can have unforgiveness in your heart, but I don't think as a child of God, according to the Word of God, you can stay in that condition, not habitually. I think some point or the other, God's going to help you get through that, or He's going to take you out of here, one, because there is a sin unto death. You can read 1 John about that as well. But when we think about this hatred department, I, I've tried to be brief. Sister Savannah, you come on, that's going, to, that's going to make me wrap this thing up. This is a subject we're all going to deal with. It's not a real comfortable subject, because in all reality, Brother Danny, there's not a one of us sitting in here that's never had to deal with what I'm preaching tonight. You know, some of it may come with a little bit of season as you get a little bit older. Maybe you get hurt. And you see what happens when you harbor anger and hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness. And it's not worth. It's not worth what's waiting over here for that just being released of all that stuff. And you don't know what I'm talking about until you get to that point. But if you ever get to that point where you've tried, man, and that's all you can think about is just you despise somebody. Because, what? The, again, we're not condoning, what. The, there's some things that I won't even bring up in here uh, tonight that folks in times past Not necessarily here uh, You know they've confided in me And said hey this is what happened when I was a child And there's some things that some children should never have to deal with There's some things that some wives And some husbands should never Have to deal with But as a child of God we're to be different Again we don't condone sin But if you want to be liberated and set free this you're going to have to deal with this thing Absalom for two full years He let that anger boil, simmer, and get hotter, hotter, and hotter. That hatred in his heart and that anger and that unforgiveness gave birth to a murder. Although directly he didn't kill Amnon, he plotted just like David did. And boy, we've got to understand this is a serious subject. It's a thing that will hinder a marriage relationship. It's a thing that will hinder two siblings, as it was in Absalom and Amnon. It's a relationship between a son and a father, a son and a mother, a daughter and a father, daughter and a mother. If this thing is not corralled. And folks, here's the sad thing. It will hinder a child of God's worship until you give it to Him. Not part of it, not some of it. But all of it. You say, preacher, I'm good right now. Better put it on credit. There's gonna come a day when somebody's gonna do something to you. May not do something to you, may do something to your family. And it ain't gonna be right. You're gonna be faced with a choice. Man, am I gonna blow up? Am I gonna have hatred in my heart? I ain't gonna say you ain't never gonna experience that, but you gotta keep a short fuse on it. Because it's not worth Ruining that relationship between you and God. But that's what happens. Well, preacher, they don't deserve it. You've got to remember Ephesians four thirty-two that I read this morning. And be ye kind one to another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. God says, I'll forgive you of all your sin. And you asked Him. We're to turn to do the same thing to those that have hurt us. Tonight as we stand, all over the house, let's pray, Father, now, Lord, I love you, and I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to preach your word. Lord, I've done my best, Lord, to deliver the message of the hour and empty the thoughts of this hour. God, no doubt, every one of us in here in this auditorium and those listed by we way of live streaming Facebook we will deal with this subject. Some may be dealing with it tonight. Some may be dealing with it for years. Some may have won victory over it. But God, would you help us to do what you've asked us to do, Lord, that we could prove that we are the children of light. Lord, you've changed our hearts. You've forgiven us. Lord, help us to do the very same thing. Lord, I pray we learn from this poor and bad example of Absalom. Help us not to follow suit. Help us to be faithful. Lord, to you, until we get home, we'll be careful to give you thanks and give you praise. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed tonight. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus of Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service and every second Sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat and meat service. After our 6 p.m. service we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again. From God's Holy Word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from five thirty P.M. to six thirty P.M. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation, they prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6 All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, and good works, and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16 and verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house.